You gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good. I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up? Or did you call next when they took that ish? Or cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens? Or as loud as Mr. Softy ice cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dimes. As a teen, the streets of Brownsville, Brooklyn tempted him to head in the wrong direction. Luckily, he connected with the father of Brooklyn basketball, Mr. Gil Reynolds, which put him on the path toward All-American honors as a player at Lamar College. From there, he found his way onto the Division I program at Iona College. Faced with the responsibilities of fatherhood and being a college student athlete, he persevered and was able to do well athletically parent effectively and earn his degree from Iona. With his degree, he went on to have a successful career in the financial services sector and stood up two nonprofit organizations. Through his fun sport programs, he's had professional players like Kemba Walker, Isaiah Whitehead, and Kyle Anderson hone their skills and compete against high caliber hoopers all across the country. Rock with us as we sit down with CEO Ricky Rivers on this episode of Dribble and Dimes. What's up? This is Emilio the Poet. Yo, what's up? My name is Manny Digital. And we and are Dribble and Dimes. No with, doubt. Ricky with, Rivers. With the homie Ricky Rivers. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's your, absolutely. Boy, that's your boy. Brooklyn's Drinking finest. some water. It's not vodka. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk like it's vodka. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But let's go back to that conversation because yeah, yeah, that was yeah. good. So Keep we were talking about like the whole Bermuda piece, man. So... Years ago, I think, I can't remember if this was like oh, on way, so we kind of had to put this event on in Bermuda, my guy, Edgar 2013, yeah. whatever, a while ago, so they are trying to improve basketball on the island of Bermuda, so we get, we get Bill Russell, get Dr. J, all these guys, and this is something that, man, this is one of those events that I was like, wow, I'm, I'm honored to kind of like be included on this joint. Yeah. So now they got me hosting the event, I'm on the mic. I'm entertaining the crowd and all that stuff, and I have never really done this much. On some Rucker Park type? On some Rucker Park stuff. Okay. So I mean, we got like 720, we got yeah. all these guys, and oh. they dunking and all that stuff. So I remember at the halftime, I go, we in the back, I do this nice interview with Dr. J. Right, we got the camera on that, doing the interview with Dr. J. Mm -hmm. I can't remember all the words, but there was definitely some good words or whatever. But the one part that I was always excited about, I was like, hey, Doc, I was feeling myself after the Doc interview, right? Because uh, I ain't supposed to be here. Right. I was like, yo, can you think I could get a few words with Bill Russell? He's like, you know, Bill don't talk to nobody right. like that. He said, Bill don't talk to nobody. So he kind of like, I'm not sure, he but prepared I, you. I, I'll try. So he looked over at Bill, because Bill was like yards away. He looked over at Bill. was like, hey, Bill. And I look over at Bill and make eye contact. Like, they's like, come on. Help me out. <laughs> so, now, honestly, up until the... So, Bill agrees to come over, right, and have this conversation. He said, I'm only going to talk to you for a minute, so let's keep it short, young fella. I remember him saying that. Okay. I've done no research or nothing to kind of lead this. I've done no research. All I know is I'm in front of the legend right. who got 11, 11 rings. rings. Mm -hmm. I can't even remember all the questions that I asked him, but it went from me interviewing Bill Russell to him, like, 
let me school you, young man. I remember midway through the interview, my guy Edgar Burgos could tell you this, and we, he said, yo, I like you, young man. He said, I like you. And I'm just being real. I'm, I'm spirited. Yeah. So I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm getting educated, really. I'm asking him questions based on his responses, and I'm getting educated. So he's telling me about life playing with the Celtics, how, how, how racist it was, mm-hmm. things that he had to endure, and why he's so standoffish with the media and everything. So right. this was like, it went from, I'm gonna give you two minutes, to we went 15. Wow. So now people in the room are coming over with their like cameras. Who, like, who is this dude? Yeah, but they're coming over with their cameras because they're realizing that I'm engaging Bill Russell and he's he's letting go a part of himself. Mm. And people are starting to kind of like talk Gravity. and they're listening and everything. And I remember other people around while I'm leading this conversation. And if you go to my Facebook, you'll see there's a, there's a picture where I'm actually talking to him. But honestly, the conversation was so much that I can't remember everything mm-hmm. that I was really looking for. You know how you shoot something and you're like, I really want to play that back and I want to see it right. again and realize exactly how he responded and what was being said. Right. But it was one of those moments that I, def- I treasure, that, that, I, that I know happened. Yeah. I got the photo that it happened, right. but I don't have the footage Damn. that it happened. So wait, were you like tunnel vision in that moment? Because I'm sure there was a lot of people surrounding you and you mentioned more people gravitated toward y'all. Were you kind of just like, like this, honed in, like not really paying attention to anything else. Bro, I was in awe, man. Right. I'm not honestly. I'm in awe. Like I'm talking. He's 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 standing at like six ten, six eleven. He's great, but he's Bill Russell. Like I, I yeah. like I love Michael Jordan at the time where he grew up, but I just know that Bill Russell represented represented something different a little bit. Right. Like Bill Russell was like eleven rings. He was the part of, you know, he was went through that that tough time during the civil rights period. I knew right. that much about him and yeah. to, to know that. I was standing in front of greatness. Yes. Uh, so I'm actually, I was kind of like an awe. I'm spirited too. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm confident as I'm talking. Right. But I'm learning at the same time. So it was one of those conversations like, oh, really? Like I'm like he's in the airport. And he's talking about how people were calling him nigga. But yeah. yeah, he's going to fly and play for the Boston Celtics. And I'm sitting in the airport by myself. I remember him having that cop telling me that. That he sit there by himself. He wouldn't even sit next to his teammates because of things that he was enduring. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't let nobody come near him. All these things that I was learning. And I was like, I didn't know. I didn't do my much, my, that much of my research yeah. at the time because I didn't know what I was getting into mm-hmm. to know we were going to have that type of pivot in the conversation. And I was like... Wow! Yeah, hey, this is this is serious. Like we, yo, this this is valuable. Like we, we should. Yeah. I want to keep this. I want. I want to tell you something, man. Episode our, our second podcast, right? Episode <laughs> two, right? We had this debate with this uh, gentleman by the name of G Moody. Okay. Which, uh, by the way, he's from Brownsville. As well. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, G so Moody. Brooklyn is definitely in the house. Yeah. Gerald Moody. Uh huh. Oh, you know, I know Gerald Moody. Oh, Ger- Gerald, Gerald Moody. Gerald Moody. We used to play for Gil Reynolds together. G yeah, Moody. just oh. my big ass family, ain't yeah. you? Yeah, G Moody. G, oh, G, G Moody. No, Rick Rivers. He know that. I don't know where G Moody at, but last time I seen him, it was courtside of a Nets game, and we talk real quick. He 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 live in the Bronx. Okay. G Moody. Oh, my God. Did it stop? Recording? No, 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 no. We good. We good. Sorry about that. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Um, yeah, he lives in the Bronx. He's he's a, a new homie of ours since uh, we've done the podcast and we've just been kicking it. He's an awesome dude. G yeah, Moody's so, good guy. Good, I, I was good. going to say you guys probably know each other. Good. G Moody's a good guy, man. Okay. That's what's jump. up, man. Jump shot, jump shot. Not as good as mine, G Moody. But ah! That was so funny. Speaking of which, we chat. So every every time we have a guest, I always say something about like let's play a game. You know. Uh-huh. Right? Up until last episode, he has his own podcast. He told me in his last, excuse me, in his last podcast, I ain't playing because it was a New Jersey, a Brooklyn Nets player that got yeah, injured. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you know who this? Oh uh, man, how am I forget his name? Man, he, he uh, twisted. Uh, 
Cameron Levert? Yeah, yes. Levert. Levert. He twisted. He's like, yo, you saw oh, the injury? Yeah, exactly. We ain't playing. The game, game's <laughs> over. Hey, the, the, the game's one, over. And you got to be careful because I know a lot of friends that's kind of like blew out their Achilles. Yeah. Not playing. So I'm careful sometimes when I get on the court, But, too. I mean, my mm-hmm. thing is, this is not even where I'm going with it. Let me just touch that real quick. My thing is, if you don't warm your body up, like, consistently, right? We getting older. Yeah. We got to keep it. But he said he don't do none of that. So I get where he's coming from. G Moody's lazy. Stiff cold, I'm not. Yo, I'm not Tell I'm G not. Moody Gil Riddles will be disappointed in Oh, you just you just told <laughs> yes. yes, G. Yo, we're going to send it Gil to Gil Riddles will be disappointed. Go ahead, go ahead. But this is where I'm going with this conversation. Okay. You're speaking of Bill Russell, right? My brother right here proposed, Betty Digital, proposed you're my top three players of all time. Okay. Okay. G. Moody had Jordan, he had LeBron, LeBron and Kareem. Kareem, right? My brother going to share his later because that's, that's very special. You don't want to hear mine. Yeah, you don't okay. want to hear his. Okay. <laughs> mine had Jordan, Kareem, and Bill Russell. Mm-hmm. But yo, the, yo, he was tight. Yo, you know what? We, we're not gonna tell him what happened in the episode. You're gonna you go listen, listen to it. Right, so you can get up yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, there was a debate about the top threes on either side, and it was actually a pretty interesting debate. Right. Um, I you'll hear mine, but they're irrelevant because my fandom for Charles Oakley is just so high that I I don't see past that. So okay. Oakley. Okay. It's it's not a a statistically relevant top three. Right. Okay. Mine. Okay. Okay. It's more just a passion filled one. Well, what do you think about what I just said about that? Hey, I, not just from meeting him, but I feel like you can't avoid not having Bill Russell. That's 11 rings. This is what I... That's, that's, that's might be the only guy that was a player and a coach as a champion who coached as well as a player and then right. laced it up and played too. So Bill Russell represents the struggle too and that whole transition. So it's so much, I think, to the Bill Russell's legacy that he's Mount Rushmore, man. Like, he's Mount mm-hmm. Rushmore in the NBA. That's why I was just so in awe. Just as a basketball person, Bill Russell, 11 rings. You know, he actually, remember Bill Russell, he changed the game in yeah. college, man. He, yeah. he, you I can't dunk so, anymore. Right. Yes. Because, rule. Yeah, you can't, you can't yes. guess who was Bill Russell. And Bill Russell was blocking shots. And they wasn't taking those stats at that time. But, yeah, the, Bill, Bill was Russell. was blocking shots and they didn't know what to do. You're right yeah. there. Yo, but you, the, the argument is the level of competition that he went against was I mean you talk about how many black players were there? Oh, I call that not even black, any other shade. Yeah, but you yeah, can't. When he came but out. I don't think you can't. You can't no, compare errors. It's hard to compare errors. It's true. It's, it's true. definitely hard to compare errors. But I just felt for Bill Russell in his time, he did everything that he was supposed to. Eleven rings. He went into. He played in this Boston, is, man. He wasn't doing this in New York City. True. He did this in Boston, man. Right. This is a tough place to play in Boston as a black man at that time. And you know what? I like this conversation with you particularly. And we're going to get into you know, your, your organization and what you've done. Because you teach the fundamentals of the game. That's something very, very like. That's the, and I believe this. No matter what era you're in, no matter what, the cerebral, the fundamentals of the game, it goes in any era. Absolutely. And that man, he knew how to, he knew timing for blocks, steals, defense. The man was smart, and you proved it because you interviewed him. And yep. he gave you all his knowledge. Yeah. Or, or his yeah. wisdom. So he's on to something. It's not yeah. like some yeah. of these players that play and they don't got a clue. I don't, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of organic discussion and conversation, so I'm almost pissed off that I even have to do this, but <laughs> I want to give us a proper introduction. Oh, yeah. So we can actually start. I'm the sorry, man. By the way, okay. no, no, we're going to start it with all that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I, 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 oh, I, I know. I love the conversation. This yeah. is not a basketball guy. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, so uh, this is another episode of Dribble and Dimes. I am Manny Digital. This is Emilio the Poet. And with us today we have the famous 
or the infamous Brooklynite, Mr. Ricky Rivers. Ricky yes, Rivers. sir. Welcome, famous, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Thank hey, you. Us, you are, brother. Thank you for Listen, having me. I, I got to say this from the bottom of my heart because uh, Mr. Q's a dear friend of mine mm-hmm. and somebody I look up to in a lot of regards. So for him to ask you to help us be a part of this discussion, mm-hmm. I think is, is huge. So yes. I want to big him up and I also yes. want to thank you for for coming all this way because yes. you know people got families they got jobs they, you know they got a pretty rigorous schedule yeah. each and every one so for you to come out here and kind of go out of your way for us I really from appreciate, the it, man. Yes. appreciate it appreciate it especially in this weather thank yeah, you man. very much definitely it's definitely raining out here it's raining <laughs> yeah. a lot but hey I, I, I like being here man I appreciate thank the moment you. I appreciate it thank you so much so so let's get back to it I mean I, I do I do want typically what we what we'd like to do here is really just discuss you what you who you are where you've been and kind of how you have evolved as the person you are today okay. you know, from a basketball context, but generally a life context, if, if that's what you want to share. Mm-hmm. So, but I do want to continue that conversation because I okay. think it was a valuable one. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I was segueing into um, what you're doing, which is uh, your, your foundation. Fun sport basketball. So, yeah, yeah um, because like I was saying about Bill Russell, he's a fundamentalist, you know what I mean? I feel like the man knew the game, period. You know, mm-hmm. He wasn't just athletic, he was smart. He combined that. And I think that's something that you teach. I want you to speak about, you know, your organization, your, your foundation, excuse me, and maybe you can touch on it a little bit. Yeah, so it's two two organizations. I have two organizations right. right now. So I have the one that most people know me for is Fun Sport Basketball. Right. I've been doing it next year, 2019. This is why this, this comes a little big. It's going to be our 20th year. So wow. 20 years in the grassroots, in the community, kind of like doing this. And over that time, over 20 years, man, it's been a lot. So it's like I haven't just done like one program. We've done many programs in a single year. So I felt, although it's 20 years on the calendar, mm-hmm. I felt like the volume of work probably adds up to 40, 50 right. years when you think about it, man. Because in the run of a year, we may have done about 10 to 15 different programs in the run of a year wow. sometimes. Wow. Okay. So awesome. it's been a lot of grind. I've come across a lot of people. I've met a lot of young people who have been a part of their development and their growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's been it's been good, man. I'm excited about going into 2019 to kind of turn it and to kind of celebrate the work that we've done over the 20 years and the young people whose lives we've touched. And not only the young people, just some adult lives, man. When mm-hmm. I think back on it, there's been a lot of people who's kind of gotten their start in what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to kind of like roll it up to say how it all started, I, it, just go back to the fundamentals of your guy, Jerry Moody, who I, yeah. who I know. Yeah. We both came under the tutelage of a guy named Gil Reynolds. And I got to mm-hmm. pay homage to this guy. Dope. This guy, Gil Reynolds, was like a father figure to me. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he got me at a time in high school when things was a little bit dark and he kind of like created the path for me to kind of like get into college yeah. and to get my start when opportunities weren't all there. Gail Reynolds kind of opened up those opportunities and it was all about what he taught was all fundamentals. So when you talk about... I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you. I kind of want to... So you kind of glossed over like the dark period. The dark period. That you were in. So... Or was it you personally or your surrounding it, it, area? Or? Man, it, it was me some friends. I, I grew up in Brownsville Projects kind of mm-hmm. like, man. As I tell the story, is like I was involved in, in doing things maybe as a sophomore that I probably shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I was moving kind of fast and moving through things. So things was happening kind of quick, but I always knew that I could play basketball. I always sacrificed some time to do that too. Okay. So when I met this guy, Gil Reynolds, this is because the coach when I was at Erasmus, because I couldn't play at, at high school because I wasn't eligible, okay. he kind of said, hey, listen, you need to kind of get another person to kind of help you out and put me, told me to go to a trial with this guy, Gil Reynolds. Okay. Gil kind of like came as that guy that I felt like, dad, you know what, he was different. He was a real good coach. And he was very aggressive, and he, it, uh, the energy, like we talked early before we started, mm-hmm. the energy was right there, and it had a mixture of something to do something special. Mm-hmm. So I followed him, 
He kind of created some opportunities for me when guys was playing in different AAU programs. Not that I deserved to be playing for the highlight ones, but I started to get better and better playing underneath him. I stayed loyal to him because loyalty became uh, came big, is big for, with me. And he kind of opened up some doors for me, man. He kind of said, hey, look, we got ship me out to Colorado to play ball out in Colorado. Okay. And nice. once I got to Colorado, I think everything else started to open up. Once I got out of my element, once I got out of those surrounds where we say that was a little bit dark sometimes and yeah. I could get away from that and I could just focus on skill development and things like that. In high school, like I went, when I played with Gil, when I played my sophomore year, I didn't play. Junior year, I made average 15 points, started really working with Gil every day, averaged 30 points a game as a senior. All the opportunities wow. wasn't there as college opportunities because I played in a school that didn't get noticed that much. But once I got to Colorado, I really took my game up another level. Mm -hmm. Everybody couldn't see how I took my game up another level a little bit and really start to focus on basketball. That's why. And you know, and we'll talk how I, how it all comes back around. But Gil opened the doors for me, and then I kind of once I got through the door, I kind of like expanded it and created my own opportunities to the point where I played division. I became an All American in junior college, played Division One basketball at Iona, and then kind of like got back in the running family so, and all that. That's so dope. That's dope. So dope. So you went to Colorado. You played JUCO. I played junior college in Colorado. Okay. What's I had a, I played for Lamar okay. out in Colorado. Okay. Had a baby uh, before I left my my my. My girlfriend, who then became my wife, okay. uh, but was pregnant, so I came back home. I didn't stay in Colorado where the opportunities were plentiful. I had a lot of opportunities in that, playing Midwest. Uh, so then I came back and went to FIT. I stayed local, and I made it clear that I was going to stay local. Mm -hmm. uh, and Gil Reynolds kind of like passed the torch into another father figure who I look up to today is Jim Couch. I got to pay homage to Jim Couch okay. and the Dykeman Foundation. He wow. picked up the torch where Gil Reynolds left off after my freshman year of college. Mr. Couch stepped in and kind of was like, hey, he who was mentoring me along the way as well. He kind of stepped in and said, hey, I'm going to take it from here and kind of make sure that you finish out the process or whatever. How, how are Jim Couch and Kenny Stevens affiliated? Jim Couch and Kenny Stevens, I mean, that's a different affiliation. They're both, from the, Dykeman. They both, they're both from the Dykeman uh -huh. area. Okay. They both did some work in that Dykeman Park. Okay. They both are well-respected in that community together. That's a lot of years of experience, and they've done a lot to kind of like, I love both of those guys. But they're not, so Dykeman League and Dykeman... Program are two different, two different entities. Okay. Two different entities. Okay. The Dykeman program is with Mr. Couch. He's about 84, 85 years old. He's done a lot for basketball in this town, man. He's like, wow. he's in a New York City Hall of Fame. Uh, so he's like a legend. He's a walking legend that's still here to kind of touch lives. Damn, and I, I try had, to stay... I had I no idea. I try to keep touch points with Mr. Couch, who's... who's Raised a lot of players like myself, man. Never paid that guy a dime. Never paid Gil Reynolds a dime. Wow. And they both responsible for the man who I became today, man. Really helping me out. So funny how all these things connect because we had uh, another gentleman, uh, the mayor, Mike Jones, who is uh, a coach for the Dykeman League. The Dominican Power Team. The Dominican Power uh -huh. Team. So this all unites. I was also going through when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who is Look. from the Washington Heights yep. area. Yep, right there in Wood. So this all ties back to my, my top three. <laughs> <laughs> How we still we still here? Yeah, still here. I'm sure Mr. Couch will kind of give you some, you know, because he's right across the street from where Kareem went. So right. he, he definitely will tell I'm us some sure, stories. Right? He'll tell us some stories. Is he still alive? Yes, yeah, 84, right? You yeah. said? Uh, yes, Mr. Couch is still alive. Oh, I just yeah, I, I go I go visit him all the time. But he's a, he's a guy who who you definitely want to talk with. Shout out to Mr. Couch. Mr. Couch, Couch we Dykeman can bring uh, dribbling dimes to you if you ain't coming over. Yes, indeed, Mr. Couch is a legend, man, and his story needs to stay told. You know, you, you talked about the youth that you worked with. And, mm -hmm. uh, man, let me tell you something. He, this gentleman must be very modest. He glossed over the youth. <laughs> right? He just said, uh, I touched on some youth to change some lives. Uh, yeah, I get all that. 
You know, but you got some real players in there. Yeah. All right. NBA players, known players, college great players and athletes, man. Won't you tell? Because I know some, but would you tell them about your own mouth, please? Well, some of those na- named players. Well, some of the players that, that went through your, 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 your that back. came through the program. Yes. So, like, I've been fortunate enough to kind of collaborate and connect with some really good coaches in Yo, the city. Do me a favor. Turn the modesty off. Yeah, <laughs> nah, I'll be modest. Let me be okay. modest. I, I, you you I, even I, gave me the modesty. Kyle like, Anderson. Like, oh, <laughs> get out of here, Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson. Isaiah Whitehead. Yeah, they all came through oh, my program man. in eighth Malachi grade, in middle school. Malachi. I mean, there's a lot of young people that's come through the program over the course of we started that middle school program in 2004. Mm. So there's been a lot of them that's come through and start their program and start. See, what back in the days to, to, to not be so humble was like in the beginning, <laughs> like in 04. There was nobody that was really concentrating on middle school basketball by the time. Oh, I see. The, the popular thing in 04 was ISA. ISA was yeah. the biggest ticket in town, and it still is. Right. You know what I mean? My guy Peter would shout out to him. Mm-hmm. They, that was the biggest ticket for high school basketball. Everything was focused on ISA type stuff. That's where all the crowds were. That's where you found the, the marquee players. Right. I think when I came in in 04, so just think in 1999, I'm doing all the pro stuff. I'm, I fireball. I got the old guys. I got all the old heads in the gym and honing on their skills. And I wanted to do a pivot and I wanted to kind of like had a youth piece to my thing mm-hmm. so I said yo you know what I've been successful back then with doing the websites because nobody had the website but me at the time I had you were like coding it I know oh, I, I, I kind of created put some, I put one together but it had people's picture and the schedules and all that stuff this was website. 99 this is 99 yeah. so nobody wow. wasn't doing this stuff in 99 wow. type stuff this is kind of like what kind of like Got my got to start. So one, I'm doing the website. Then we because I, I work corporate and had access to like the color printers and everything that we had. I work right around the block. Oh, so that, not too long ago. I ain't gonna plug them though. <laughs> but so I was I had access to like the color stuff and all that. So what I was also doing was working on the journalist skills and I'm up typing up editorials and I'm doing recaps and stats and I got the color thing with the pictures and all that stuff. So I got the website and then when you come to the games, we had like the newsletter that told you everything that happened last week with the schedule for this. So now I'm, I'm doing some things that was fun. I'm enjoying it. But I, when you look back on it, I was, I was, I was creating a little lane for yeah, myself that was definitely. different from everybody else. Uh, so I'm doing that with the older guys and I had all the attention with the older guys. And I'm thinking, damn, if I could pivot this and do this with the younger guys. Right. So the first time I did the youth tournament was in 2004 around Thanksgiving. My guy Kamani Young, I'm sure y'all know Kamani, that's my guy Kamani. Kamani who's asked now the assistant coach at UConn okay. yeah. was running a team called S. Carter. And I gotta shout you out, Kamani, because you know I couldn't I couldn't say this without you. So me and Kamani was cool and I was like, hey, Kamani, if I could get Team Next, Team Next was the biggest team in middle school basketball okay. in the city and down the East Coast. They had the number one player on their team in Devon, in the country in Devontae Grace. They had a, my other guy, gosh, I'm, I, names is going to be tough, so I'm not going to start yelling it, but it was a, Tavon Sledge. Tavon Sledge mm-hmm. was the MVP. So it was a long list of guys. These are the guys that got me started. That Team Next program with my guy Mike Moore. Shout you out, Mike Moore. I told you I was going to pay homage today to a lot of guys. <laughs> uh, these guys kind of like got me started on this. So Kamadi made the call to, to say, I'm going to be in and I'm going to call Mike Moore team next to kind of get them in. So now I jumped right out of the gate with the biggest team in the country. And now everybody else started to follow. I had a cheat code. Cheat code. I had a cheat code. <laughs> hey, cheat code, cheat code. Yeah, that's me. I had a cheat code. 
So, boom, I get right out the gate with that. Then I had access to getting some nice uniforms. I remember having these dazzle uniforms that was top shorts and tops and bottoms. So I put that out there, and next thing you know, it was like, oh, look, this was just a weekend joint. But it's like, yo, this got the makings of being something different because nobody really focused. So I gave them the uniforms, I gave them the newsletter, I gave them the website, and that kind of like started the joint going. So now, okay, I got everybody's attention now to what can be done, and we're going to now put this focus on middle school basketball here in New York City. Mm. And it's, it's something else has now been born in the city now with this fun sports stuff. And it started out in Sunset Park, and that was the first one, and then we cultivated that. A little bit, and then the next year we had like Javon. Next season we had Javon Pinkstons. We had the team next again, and we added some more talent in there. And then we put some rules in place. Okay, now that I got the attention with the uniforms, now let me figure out. Let me do. Let me do my Gil Reynolds piece. What can we? How can we mix this up to make it funky? You know what? Everybody got to show their report card. Mm. Everybody got to show their report card now. Now what, that I got everybody, this, this is now oh, you always. Said Thanksgiving. I, I, that was the first year. Thank you. Next year we come around. I get prepared for. We did another one, little one in spring, but I get prepared for it full fledged the next four year, two thousand and five. Now mm. we got all the teams. Now, now we got a rules that place. Now we come in. We got a tournament. To start out, we got a tournament. You got to show your report card. If you don't have at least a seventy GPA, you can't play. Mm. So now I'm gonna keep it nameless because now we in. We got the Javon Pinksters. We got the tough teams. We get into the championship game and we're around report card time and we have the championship. There's a very marquee player. Well, I'm not keep his name was yep. he 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 became a McDonald's All American. Okay. He don't show his report card. And now, Ricky, the test of your program is put in picks. Your gym is packed right now. They came to see this kid because he's a stud in eighth grade. They playing against one of the top teams and his mother is hollering at you crazy too. Now Ricky, this is gonna set the stage for yeah. where your program's gonna go, what you're gonna do. Game is forfeited. What? Game kid cannot play. It's forfeited because game he is, can't play. That's it. Game is forfeited, and that set the precedent for the program afterwards. That's, and that's, people, that's, and that's people who witnessed it know exactly what I'm saying. If you live and you seen this, you can make your comments. <laughs> In 2005. So wait, wait, wait. we forfeited the championship. But that's game. so you know, that's, know, you know, I'm doing a hell of research after this. Yeah, no doubt. But the problem is, is, the problem doesn't exist because a lot of the nah. documenting of this stuff doesn't yeah. really. No, I'm doing research because I'm, 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 I'm gonna ask talk. him. After this is like oh, yeah, off. Yeah, I'll talk to you off oh, record because so I don't want to put. I don't put. But yeah, he didn't have his report card. Probably wasn't the best report card at sure. the time. So we didn't. There was a lot of talking, communicating with key folks after that game, after that decision. But that was a pivotal decision. That I thought could have went to took the program down. Def, that's what I was gonna say. You were year in. Up. You were year. I'm it only go, a year in. It could go either way. It went the other way. It went the other way because people respected that the fact. At the end of it, they're not at that moment. Right. That yeah. day, I was I was Sick. a go. I was I, you were, I wasn't the, everybody's favorite. America's most came, wanted. Yeah, people came to see a game, and we didn't have a game. So wait, the forfeit occurred because the team that player was on decided they weren't gonna play without him. I believe so, because okay. some of the details, because I don't want to mislead anyone, but yeah. I believe it was like, I don't think they only had five, but they weren't going to play without the kid. Got it. it wasn't like you said, all right, you can't nah, play. No, they weren't going to play without Got the kid, okay. so that's where we're going. I'm going to stick okay. to this, this rule. That's he didn't have his report card, and if everybody else produced their report card, that's what it was. So now, that's our program Kong, became... Kong balls. Yeah, right our program became synonymous to that. Now, to take it a step further, now, this is in 05, and we go further down the line. I don't can't remember the years, but... Maybe like four or five years ago, I got 
I got a uh, Drake who sponsored the OVO team, wow, team, team from Canada. Wow. So I got a team coming all the way from Canada. Wow! Wow! All the way from Canada, they coming. Now we middle to, school. Middle school. They wow. coming from Canada. They come one day. So this is uh, what year is this? This four or five years ago. Maybe four or five so what, years ago. I got Garrett, did my RG, RG, RG. No, they weren't on the team. Uh, okay. This kid Cassius. I don't think I Cassius Stanley, but this there's a very good team. I don't know the yeah. cast of characters and names because my memory is not <laughs> as great as it used to be. <laughs> but. They got this solid team that's coming down, and they coming from Canada. So now we get to the point of the same thing. Yo, what your report cards? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to remind you, you got to bring those report cards across the border because I'm serious about that. Mm-hmm. Three kids came without their report cards, no. and they traveled from Canada. Y'all can't play. Sorry. Y'all can't Not play. even on the bench either. Like, I yeah. mean, they could sit on the bench, okay. but they just couldn't play. Okay. You couldn't play. But, uh, walk me back to, to, the, to, to the whole game that uh, you said that the – you know, it was forfeited. Okay, this is, I'm yeah. confused because it was just one player, correct? Key player. I tell you, this kid became a McDonald's All-American. I get that. But who forfeited the game? Did it come from you, come from the refs? Well, how did that At, work? Not the refs. I believe it came through conversations, delays, and it's like we're not going to go forward with the game if he's not playing. If I got the details right, if I missed, if somebody can correct me, that's fine. But I remember he's not playing. The game didn't go down. So, his team, his team. So I, regardless of who called it, the, 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 if I called it or whatever, I can't remember exactly the details from so long ago because it was 05, right. yeah, yeah. and I don't want to mislead anybody about yeah. that or misrepresent somebody who was involved in that game. Uh, but I just remember we didn't play the it game didn't go because down. of that. Wow. And the pivot was we was going to stay stern about report cards. So there's been a lot of changes and custom, you know, modifications that I've made along the way. But... This became now after 05, we get to like 2009, 2010, and we're kind of like the biggest middle school tournament in, in the Northeast, kind of like right now. I think when you get to that part, well, no, we are in 2018 right now. So, yeah, when we're like 2012 or so, Malachi Richardson's and all mm-hmm. those guys, yes. we're, we're like, we're holding it down for middle school. I mean, we got attention going down the East Coast with this thing for eighth grade basketball, kind of like. So you had you had high school coaches, and high school coaches, college so, probably taking a look, maybe. Yeah. So the things that we've done, like over the years with this program, we've done, we've held camps that involve high school coaches teaching middle school kids. Mm-hmm. So I had Christ the King, I had Thomas Jefferson, we had all this stuff, but we held camps for the eighth graders to get direct exposure to the high schools that they want to go. We're not going, some of them will be lined up on the side, but now, no, we're going to have Tiny, Lincoln, you got a day. Wow. Jefferson, you got a day. Christ the King, you got a day. You got this court, you got this court, and now y'all going to do stations. Y'all going to be able to look and go around and see how practice run and all these guys. So, so these are some of the innovative things that we've done with the program over the 20 years that that when I look at it today, we're not as we're not we're not operating at that level that we did maybe five or ten years ago. But you can't copycat. You can't you can't copy respect. Right. You can't copy respect. No, that's earned. You no, can't, like yeah, the, you can't copy respect. Like the URL, like the, the smack. Nah, nah. I just heard you it before, but but it's real. You just you can't copy. Well, you can't emulate that. So my question first. Why is it not at that same level? Did you have a lot of people that part, or so as a year? So as you go from '05 and you start to build up, and every, you know, just like you make an investment, you just constantly getting it's getting more value and more valuable and more valuable and more valuable. Now you got corporate sponsors. Like I was with Nike for for eight years, eight and a half years. Then okay. I left that, go to Converse for a year. Then I'm with the Under Armour, doing a lot of big things that we'll talk about with Under Armour. So now the the level of expectation is greater than it was in 05. Uh, now when you're in 2016 and you're in, now people expect 
high level stuff. Because if you look at fun sport programs over the years, our championship games weren't just a regular championship. Our championship games were events. Mm-hmm. So our championship games was at Madison Square Garden, Barclays wow. Center. So we're not doing it at, in a high school. We're not doing it with school safety agents. Mm-hmm. We're doing it in front of NBA guys that's coming to the game too, and we're doing it in, in world-class arenas. We go from Madison Square Garden to the Barclays Center. So for, for three or four years, we were at the Garden. Six years, we were at the Barclays Center. So now everything that we did, we heightened the program up so much to where it could only sustain itself at a certain level. Right. So when someone, we had a, a moment where Under Armour kind of like, you know, that changed a little bit, that pivoted, then we had a point, okay, it's hard to kind of go back here when you were up here. Type right, so right. You want to keep on adding stuff. So what we've done over the, over the years is it, it, different, it's unique. It, is, it has, I don't think that's been copied. The guys have all, there's been some great middle school tournaments that go on right now that give kids quality exposure and thing. But what we put onto that, what we built into that program, I, I, don't, I don't see it. Because okay. we had like preseason, we had camps, we, had, we did a lot of stuff in that, in that October to December period for middle school kids. I'm just thinking from a motivational standpoint, right? You in eighth grade, seventh grade, and you see that those behind you ended up at the garden. Or yeah, the Barclays. At the, you know, there's that opportunity, right? right. Coming from so we from the Bronx originally. You from Brooklyn. Coming from the inner city, like I think I, I if I had to like narrow the focus onto where I see the most success versus failure in places that we come from, mm-hmm. it's not having a, a a clear picture of a model to follow, mm-hmm. right? And so typically in our in our environments, that model exists on television. Mm-hmm. Right, it's or it's like the neighborhood hustler, or the, very few times is it like the blue collar worker that's busting their butt day in and day out, driving the bus or sanitation or whatever have you, right? And so for me, which is funny because for me, I always go back to I don't know if you remember there was a show called Saved by the Bell. Yeah, all right, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. So 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 coming from where I come from. I had all those negative elements in my surrounding. Right, I was fortunate enough to have parents that kind of forced the educational agenda and got us through p- private school, you know, middle middle school, high school, or private school. But that was a strain on the family. So for me, it was always like, all right, how do I, what's out there for me as I'm thinking about high school, right? I was always into basketball, but I was never the athlete that I needed to be in order to really reach heights, right? So Saved by the Bell served as my, like, model. Right, and so I would look at Zach Morris and little things like, yo, he had a locker. <laughs> like, yo, this kid, this kid, you know, he, he got a car at 16 or 17. Like, real little things. It wasn't crazy. And I was like, yo, I want that. I, I think I get that. And then the thought of college, I was like, holy shit. All I knew was like, you know, Ross Community College or like the local spot. And even those were, uh, you know, distant. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, like, having such a model like that. Right, to, to aspire for that's in your community I wonder how that plays into the development of your program and the growth of it because I have to imagine there is that does become valuable to the people in, in and around the neighborhoods yeah I, I, I would think it was man over the years of what we're doing because each year what we try to do is beat ourselves their last year mm-hmm. so my guys what every year we try to add something to it mm-hmm. and to layer it to where it, became, it has so many different parts to it. So now it's not just a tournament that we're putting together. It's like a program now. Mm-hmm. They got to show report cards. They got to go through a preseason. They got to go through an evaluation period. They got to go to this camp where they can get exposure all before the regular season starts. And then once we get there, the regular season becomes so competitive. 
and, and you got media folks there. I mean, all this stuff happened. Like, you know, we had Reggie Miller and TNT come follow a team to the playoffs and put that on the all, on NBA All-Star Weekend. That happened in That's our program. Crazy. Reggie Miller was in Brooklyn with our program. So this thing's happened. You know what I mean? So just that's why I like this 20 years and coming to it and talking at this giving you guys give me this platform to talk is like I just want to celebrate for the kids and folks the things that occurred. The last time we were in the Barclays Center, I wish well, it was a lot. Yeah, I witnessed the Wrens with Cole Anthony playing against Team Rio with Scotty Lewis and Brian Anton. Those three kids are in the top ten of their class this year. Wow. Those are Cole Anthony, Anthony, I think, is the number one. Cole Anthony is like number one and number two. In the Brian, ESPN. Lewis and Brian Anton, they're all in the top ten. Incredible. So, so that's the last thing that we witnessed at the Barclays Center. And that's the, and these are the things that we're trying that we, hey, we need to celebrate this regardless of whatever people feel like, you know other people want to kind of move in the check you know they play in chess and move for sure. here let me move in front here but you can't don't deny the 20 years of history that's happened like a lot of kids have gotten exposure before be, before all this stuff there was we were the ones that was creating the stage for young kids to kind of perform before they got a taste of travel circuit and going out we brought all the teams here in the New York to kind of say, hey, this we got something homegrown right here that people will come to us. But that's the one thing about New York City basketball because we talk about we travel so much to go find the find precious, to find to go fight to figure out. Now this is New York City, right? It's supposed yeah. to be the Mecca. Right. Mm-hmm. All our kids are now, most of our kids, if people argue with me, they have to now travel out. They gotta go to Philly, they gotta go on the road, they gotta go to Nike Circuit, Under Armour Circuit, all that to find those opportunities, those college scholarships. When we would, we used to host the all hotbed. That. You had to come hotbed. to New York to get that. You had why to come you, to New York to get that. Why do you that? think that is? Because yeah. that that's so this, the the whole premise of this podcast is yeah. is Let's talk about that. Is I'm, to I'm doc, document yeah. the culture of New York basketball, right? And so to me, I always remember growing up in the '90s. This was the spot, like the spot. Man. Most and I, I still argue that today you still get a lot of cats that are from here that you see them everywhere. It's like a weed, right? Like cats, but it's it's slowed considerably. Yeah. Why, why do you believe I, I don't that know, is? man. I don't know where the pivot happened because just remember, years ago, just as a pro guy, you can make the lead, but you wasn't considered like an official pro unless you got your shine at the Rucker. Mm-hmm. You had to go to the Rucker to kind of really get your, your, you know, there was a time where you had to go there to check in to really kind of like get yourself make doing your bones, it. Yeah. In high school, there was a time where no matter how good you were, you had to come to ISAP that was out in Queens. LeBron did. You had to come out there to compete against the best talent. This is all in New York. Yeah. You had to kind of come in and do that. And if there was a time in the Northeast region, you had to come to Fun Sport as a middle school kid. You had to come to kind of like prove yourself, kind of like too. Was in that same bucket at some right. point. There was that was happening. Now there's been a lot of things that's changed. The structures have changed. Remember, if you go back when I was playing ball, there was like only three travel teams that really went out: Gauchos, Riverside. Aim high, um, Broncos. Sometimes they went out. Mm-hmm. Now you got so many different travel teams, and it's this whole, this this whole, this diet, this appetite to kind of like be on the road and travel more. This might be relevant to what you've mentioned um, when I asked you the question of why it tailed off as far as five or ten years ago. You guys were at your peak mm-hmm. as far as a, a foundation. My question is, do you feel now since? Uh, being more with, affiliated with corporations such as Nike and Under Armour, Armour. etc., it kind of like you said, the expectation is so high that you guys can't reach that plateau. Or do you think that has something to do with what you're speaking about? See, I, I think grassroots is you know I don't want to say it because we can't meet it because I think we've continued to meet the community needs and we've continued to do events. Sure. I just 
for what we were doing those events. That middle school, the way that event was operating, financially, we just couldn't sustain right. ourselves that right. much. Yeah, so and without corporate sense. sponsorships, without those stuff, without the things that was led to that, the Barclay Center, giving new uniforms, sneakers to kids, it was just so much that we did, and we fed that program that financially it came to a point where, okay, I can't sustain it. I, I can't continue to do that at that point. Yes. We got to pivot and we got to go in a different direction until right. those till that comes back. And hopefully, each year I've been hoping to kind of like get that back and kind of do it because I feel like some of our young people need that. We need a, a program that kind of runs not just as a tournament on a weekend, but it just rolls the sleeves up. We do some camps. We, we remind kids about the value of education that goes with it and how you become a student athlete. So all those things, educating kids as a student athlete, we did a whole, uh, one time we did a whole, had Isaiah Whitehead, the mom, we had media folks come in, sit parents down, sit kids down in the auditorium, do Q&A about the recruiting process and what that's like, what does that look like, what should my kid be doing, should they have the right amount of core courses. These are all the things that went into this program, man. It wasn't just a basketball league. Mm -hmm. This was an opportunity to really educate and elevate what we were trying to do, and that was the goal and the mission for that program. If anybody kind of got caught up in the luster of the basketball and seeing the top players perform, that's great. I mean, that yeah. I, we love that. That's that's the end game. But there was a lot of things that my staff and I and I shout out Tone Davis. I shout out Rudy King. I, I, I shout out Perry. I shout out Twan. I shout out Scoop. I shout out Ant. I shout out Two Three. I want to make sure I make sure I give everybody hey, they do because it's not just me. Right. It wasn't just me. I, I'm here sitting with you, but it was a lot of guys. So we Tippy, matter of fact, oh Tippy, oh my God, it, it, <laughs> we, me and Tippy used to sit down in a diner way before in like August eating breakfast. Yo, how could we? What could we do next? What could we do next? That would be this what we did last year. What could we? How should we challenge this report card stuff? What is it going to look like? When does report cards come out? Yo, how can we get these kids in the best schools? Who could we make sure that's there to make sure these kids are getting in the best schools and put them in a position where they can win and they can get into these these spots? Because I'm not coaching them. Mm -hmm. I'm only providing a platform for them to kind of like get exposed right. and to put them in the right spots. I'm trying to connect you with him so that you could win. I'm trying to That's make so sure great. that this coach could see you at the right time and it's my event that they could see you in so that you could. Isaiah Whitehead was one of those guys. And I Isaiah's Whitehead. And I use him as an example because he came as he was a part of taking the program to another level. Our first event, the major thing that put us on the pivot, we had the first game in the bar in the Madison Square Garden and Isaiah Whitehead played. That's they played great. for Star Right City. He was coming in to being one of the top eighth graders. Now, the Isaiah Whitehead story kind of goes like this. Tiny Morton brings him into my gym at sixth grade. He was in the sixth grade, I believe, at that time, or seventh grade. They didn't really play no ball. Ethan Telfair is on the team. Ethan Telfair is a star player. Mm -hmm. Yo, Rick, I want you to watch this guy and uh, tell me what you think. Isaiah gets out there. I was like, yo, he got some skills. He runs the floor well. I remember telling Tiny, me and Tiny was talking as we were watching Isaiah play. He starts to kind of come into his own, reclasses a year, does another year. Now he's starting to come into his own and he's getting better. But it's all under like, people are watching, people are grooming him, people mm -hmm. are exposing him. Ricky, write this, Ricky, do that. So I'm connecting with the right people to kind of make it sure, not just me, others are too. Sure. But in New York City, just to use him as an example with a program, Eric, is that I'm kind of like pushing. I'm kind of telling everybody as I'm talking about my program, I'm talking about him and I'm talking about other kids like him at the same time. Right. 
we all know Isaiah was going to go to Lincoln right away, but Isaiah is going to go to Lincoln with all the fanfare and all the media mm. that was traveling behind Fun Sport and all the other programs alongside him as well. I'm just the local program that's the big one. Right. He's played in other programs along thing that's definitely helped and supported him and gotten there. But I had a great relationship with his family. But he goes on to play four years and to kind of always play under that spotlight that was started. And the program that there. So something there. These things happen early. And it happened and he's benefited from it. There was some others that we thought was gonna do well that may didn't pan out as well. So he did the work. He had to put in the work. Right. But we, he has support along the way. And I just happened to be one of those programs that was a part of the support the, the, team. The team is important. I mean, this is, yeah. there's a lot of variables to a lot of variables you know, to making play. Success versus not. But mm-hmm. but to me, like and you kinda hit this earlier. The fundamentals of, of playing a sport, in particular basketball to me, create a bunch of fundamentals of a person's foundation as a person, right? Mm-hmm. Beyond just the athletic achievements of, of playing on a team. I was a sorry basketball player. Uh, I played, I rode the bench heavy in elementary school, right? But I found so much value in all of the, of the tutelage that my coaches imparted on us to be able to apply those things in other environments. So like I've led teams and corporations, I've done a lot of different things and I owe a lot of that to what I've learned through basketball. Mm -hmm. Because it's, and again, those are like intangible things. So when people talk about, oh, this player was a dud or unsuccessful, like, yeah, if you're talking about just straight up the basketball ladder, in some circles, I guess that's true. But what is that, who is that person, Mm -hmm. right? And that I think comes a lot with the supporting structure because you know Isaiah Whitehead for instance is a good example he made it pro pro being the NBA yep right because you can and go he's pro still playing pro ball he's been having right. very successful in Russia exactly right. but he he for whatever reason is no longer in the NBA he's doing a hell of a job internationally but I'm sure in the back of his mind he's still trying to get back into the league yeah. right and so that doesn't mean you're a failure people get bumped out all the time it's what do you do now right and right. I'm sure he's one of those people that I'm looking at because I can tell just from I mean, I think you put a finer point on it now just based on what you saw as him growing up. But I can definitely see him making that comeback like yeah. a lot of cats do. Man, it requires, it's, it's, you got to have that perseverance. But despite anything, man, he, he, he lived his dream. The right. kid, the kid, I seen the kid when he came in, you know, <laughs> linty hair, young cat, <laughs> you know, just jokes. But he had a dream. I mean, this was his dream, man. And the fact that I was a part of that process with him, you know, look at Kyle Anderson's, not as much, but I just, I felt like I was along the journey with with, with Isaiah a little bit more through Mm -hmm. high school and everything and watched it a little bit closer. That I, I watched him. I watched the whole dream manifest. You know what I mean? Like I watched the whole thing kind of That's come special. to fruition. That's so cool. I watched it from the beginning stages. And I, you know, I wasn't in the gym with him. I'm not taking credit for being in the gym, no, developing sure. the skills. But I watched the whole thing kind of like play out. I watched him have good parent structure and good support at home that goes with that. That a, a young kid being successful. And, and I've seen it happen. Uh, although, and, and, you know, when it happens, you know, the tough thing is that everybody becomes a critic now in New York, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So everything everybody becomes a critic. So he had to deal with that and kind of play off that. But that comes with it, you know what sure. I mean? And he handled that the right way and dealing with it. And he's going, he's able to take care of his family now, doing the things that he's most passionate about. Hey, everybody. This is Emilio the Poet, debuting my spoken word poetry book. I'm a poet and you know it. Volume 1. As one reader called it, it's the best I've read since Maya Angelou. So come, see what all the fuss is on I'm a Poet and You Know It, Volume 1. Available on Amazon.com and via Instagram at Emilio underscore the poet and on Facebook at Emilio the Poet. Thank you much.
But you know, I wanted to say, and this touches back on, 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 on Fun Sport, because yeah. I feel, again, one thing that I'm super duper proud of is that you wanted to integrate the fundamental aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. When you speak of your team, you were naming so many names earlier. That speaks to me about the fundamentals of the game because you need a team. A successful team around you makes you a success, basically. Mm -hmm. If everyone's pitching in, doing their role, putting in their part, you will have success, you know what I mean? I think that speaks to 20 years in the making for yourself and for your foundation. Yeah. So my thing is, like, I think, you know, um, and touching on what my brother Manny Digital was saying, I feel like at the end of the day, you have an opportunity to see, yeah, there's a success for basketball, but like how you were touching, what kind of men are they? What are we grooming as people in society? Because the NBA, it could be hit or miss. You know what I mean? That don't mean people, again, and I really strongly believe this, whereas when we were kids, probably not. If you're not in the NBA, you suck. That was the, you know, teenage, you know, knucklehead thinking. But it's like, nah, like, these people, like you said, he's living his dream. He continues to live his dream. Yeah. He's supporting his family doing what he loves to do, period. Whether it's in Russia or on the moon, it don't matter. Mm -hmm. The point is he's doing it. And people like yourself helped that happen. You made that happen. So I right. want to... Not only ask you, I just wanted to commend you on that because you. I truly, true to form, believe in the team aspect. And I think that when you have a good team, those are the byproducts of that. That's an All example. Right. I'm, a, I'm, a, well, I'm a team player, love team. I think I've, had, I've been surrounded with some good people. I think when we talk, when we walk in the room, I talked about energy. I'm a big person about energy and what that energy gives off. Sometimes, the, sometimes that energy may fade though. Mm -hmm. I think you got to be on the you got to be right on the pulse of that. You know when that energy doesn't like serve you anymore. Because sometimes, mm -hmm. as well as some of the you know folks who I may acknowledge, maybe they're not a part of the movement anymore. Right. Because sometimes it's part of that energy we need to grow and we need to go in different directions too. And I recognize that too. And doesn't hold anything against anyone. Sure. For having to kind of make that pivot as well. Uh, but yeah, man. I, like I said, I'm, I'm just happy to kind of like be a part of some of these young men's journey and what we're doing and trying to help. So, so let's go back a little bit. So you you went to, uh, gosh, Lamar? I went to Lamar. Lamar. Basketball-wise, I went to Lamar. Then went to FIT for a year. Okay, but you ended up at Iona for a couple of years. I played at Iona. So you were Gale. Um, how was that experience? Because I went to Iona for a year. Back in my day, not to play ball, yeah. just straight up academics. But yeah. love I am. Uh, uh, there was some interesting stuff happening. Well, who was the coach when you were there? When I was there, the head coach was Jerry Welsh, right? Okay, so, so I, I went after definitely. Uh, after uh, now I get a moment to tell about my. Yes, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> so I, 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 I was all American out of FIT. Mr. Couch kind of like put the buzz in terms, you know, you either gonna go to St. John's or you are gonna go to. Iona. Okay. Felipe Lopez goes to St. John's. I'm not going to St. John's because I don't want to sit the bench for two years. <laughs> right. By the way, he was, uh, he was on a show last episode? Two, two, two Felipe's my guy. I yeah. did the interview. So I know, oh, I'm not, yeah. I know I'm not going to St. John's, so Iona it is, right? I got to sit out a year. I sit out a year. I got a family. Uh, so right. doing, a lot of, doing a lot of father work. And I say that because that, that year that I set out became a very difficult year for me. Because I'm home, uh, you know, I'm married now. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm becoming a husband, you know, during that time. So I expected that where everything was easy. Well, what's the easy? It wasn't a, too difficult to me at that point. Now I go into preseason at Iona ready to play. I'm not in the best shape. I'm a step slow. Mm. 
and the coach is relying on me. So I was recruited by the head coach. I wasn't recruited by the assistant coach, who's Tim Welsh, who became, who took over, who was the coach of Providence for a while. Right. And so I was recruited by the head coach. So I was a starter. I was a blue chip recruit for them. Hmm. So I started the first 15 games. But honestly, when I look back at it, I didn't deserve to start those games. Wow. I was not myself. My timing was off. Things that you take for granted when you when you just feel like it's going to turn on. I, you know, I got adjusted, had to adjust to the speed of the game, playing Division One as opposed to playing JUCO. My shot, everything for me was my, was was from my perimeter shot that wasn't falling. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, and then the one thing that people may not know is that New Rochelle is is two and a half hours. I commuted from Brooklyn to school. Wow, that's right. I, you know, because I needed. So you didn't live. Over I didn't right. live on campus. That's right. You had so family. I had a six eight thirty class, but we had we had workouts before class. I'm leaving my house early in the morning Three, to, to morning. get to class, and I don't eat well. I got a pair of terrible diet. That's oh, so man. I'm getting to class. I'm doing my conditioning, then I'm getting to class, and then I don't have the privilege of going. I could go to some friend's house, but I don't have a dorm. So I'm keeping myself busy, moving around, going to class. It's some time. You're going to lunch, and you're hanging out in different people's spots studying. Then you got to get on the Metro North, and you got to get back home. And I got a one-year. I got a newborn at home now. I got a two-year-old and a newborn because they're throwing the car set out. My wife got pregnant again. So I got a yeah, newborn at home. Yeah, no, it's not her fault. She, not, she got pregnant. No, <laughs> my, daughter, my daughters no, are looking I'm at this. I'm playing. I'm no, playing. I love my daughters. I'll, I'll shout them out in a second. That wasn't daddy. Said, that was me. Yeah, that was yeah. me. <laughs> so, so now that's my life. I got a newborn. I got a two-year-old at home. And I'm commuting on the Metro North. I'm getting on a train. I don't have a car. Yeah. So my first year was really it was like this. And it's... And I understood why the coaches were, was kind of like frustrated. I mean, we had Phil Weber, who, who who's an assistant coach. He actually was a shooting coach for the Phoenix Suns and everything. So he did some pro stuff afterwards. But I remember him talking to me and saying, "Hey, man, you like your problem is you're, you're this." Mm. And I and I could I could I was having a difficult time adjusting. So midway through the season, I got benched. Tim Welsh was the advocate to bench me. Me and him don't get along too well, but <laughs> he was a clear advocate to bench me because now what I didn't learn is in Division One, the assistants are always advocating for the kids they recruited. Right, right. I'm playing in front of the kid that he recruited, and I'm not I'm not producing as well. I'm I'm here some days and then I'm down these days, so so I'm a little inconsistent, and I and I recognize that, so I had to go to the bench. Uh, in between the next year, now that was my junior year. It was inconsistent. My senior, but even though I had some points, where I had some good points during that year. I think I had the record for the amount of steals in a game. Okay. Uh, How many was that? I had like eight or nine steals in one game. Who'd you play? We played Western Michigan. Okay. Western Michigan, we played, and I had like or Eastern Michigan. I think Eastern Michigan. Yeah. And we had like eight or nine steals in the game. So I've had some points where there was some good, some bad. So now I go into my senior year. I'm working. One of the boosters helped me get a car. So mm-hmm. I ended up getting a car. Got a Honda Accord, a, a coupe. Yeah. Honda Accord coupe. So now, rather than getting on the train, I'm back and forth to school now in like 45 minutes up to 87, up to mm-hmm. Deacon. I'm getting it. So now, my con- I'm prepared now. I already had a bad junior year. It's my senior year. I'm prepared now. I'm dominating in preseason. Okay. Killing everybody now in preseason. The problem is that, Tim, you know, the coach's job is on the line now. Tim Welsh, who's the son, don't want to give me a chance now. Now, no, that's what you that was last that year. You should have did that last year. He told me that one time, wow. and again, you should have did that last year. Oh, but I'm done. Awesome. Yeah. So these are stories that our players, if they listen to this, could hear, could document. We going to Rhode Island one time. We're on the bus going to Rhode Island, and the coach in the bus is like, 
was one of the guys, the starting guy who I was playing behind wasn't playing that year. Mm-hmm. He announces the starting lineups and he puts a third string guy in front of me in my senior year. The third string guy looks at him and says, you mean Ricky's not starting? In the bus. You mean Ricky's not starting? We playing against Abdul Fox and all these friends of mine's colleagues. It's like, like, and I'm surprised that I wasn't starting. Right. Okay, I see how this is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I go playing the game. I get 15 points. I lead all of them scoring. 15 points. Again, we lose to Rhode Island because we, we weren't that good, but I had the most points or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, coach, who Mickle was our captain, had a had a players uh, captain's meeting with the with the coach, coach to kind of advocate for me, like, yeah, what's going on type stuff. Didn't didn't do anything. They just kept me in the bench. So, so one, I think what well, I think after that. There was a game we played Fordham. Fordham was Iona's rivalry. If you got the yeah. research, it was a big rivalry. We right. played at Fordham. He, we was down, we were losing, he needed an answer, and I came in and I produced. I had like 18 points in like five minutes, mm. and we won the game. That was my best game in Iona that I think I probably had in one game. And then I started the next couple of games, but they didn't want to start me. It became a, it became a conflict. So like I remember this, like after that game at Fordham, after now, the press wants to talk to you, the media wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. They, they wanted to talk to me, because I had the best game. Yeah. I had the athletic director, the head coach, <laughs> the assistant coach, all at, at, talk to me outside of the locker room to prep me for the thing. What are you going to say? What are you not going to say? What? Uh, yeah, it's my right hand of God. The athletic director, uh, Richie Petrioni, Yo. The, uh, J- uh, Jerry Welsh, him, all prepping me before I go to this. So I sat in. It wasn't like a film. It was a radio interview. Okay. And, I, and I polished. I was a senior. Yeah. So I, I carry myself like a professional. You know what I mean? I carry myself the right way. Deployed me. Thank you. You know, I, it was like they didn't want me to kind of throw anything under the under bus. The bus. They didn't want me to throw any bus, knowing that things weren't going in my favor up to that point. I mean, how close? If they wouldn't have spoken to you, would you have gone the other way, or would nah, you have kept no, no, no. Which way I, did you go? I I, I I don't remember exactly what I said, but I answered, and it was like, you know, they, I was a senior. They asked me questions about playing time, and I was like, listen, I'm just ready. I forgot what I said, but I didn't say anything to put a quote on the wall, whatever. Right. We played the next game. I remember us playing against, what's the team from Staten Island? Wagner. Wagner. We played Wagner at home. They, you know, I'm in their scouting reports now, so I didn't have a, I didn't have a big out, offensive game. And then next thing you know, that became a reason to kind of put me back to the bench. So you were starting up until when? No, I was off the bench. I was coming off the bench now. Remember at yeah. Rhode Island, they, mm-hmm. they, they thought I should have been starting. We play right. Seton Hall. All the top teams we play, I play well. We play, you know, we, we just say, I don't want to, we play the Fairfields. We play, everybody's okay. Everybody's performing it. But mm-hmm. we play Seton Hall. You know, you're in their scouting reports. You're not getting off. So, okay, Ricky, I come in. I'm killing. So now we go, we go to that Buffalo trip where you got to play Niagara mm-hmm. and Canisius. Mm-hmm. I play zero minutes. I play like maybe I don't even I, I didn't play at all in either one of those trips, neither one of those games. Wow. So I come home. I, I came. And home. you a dad? I'm a dad. So, I, so, so I'm gonna tell, right. tell you how that that is. So I'm a dad. I come home to my kids, and I'm and I'm disappointed. I come home to my kids. So I called the athletic director. I don't remember was the next day when we got back, and I was like, if I quit the team, will you keep me on my scholarship? He said, yes, we were going, we were, we, I called him the day before we were going to the airport to Notre Dame. We were going to play Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And my friend had played at Notre Dame, so I was looking forward to playing him. We had already talked trash or whatever. Mm-hmm. But my body couldn't let me leave the house. I, I didn't feel good about it. So he said, no, we'll keep your scholarship. He said, you can't talk to any media. 
you don't talk to any media or anything like that, and you could kind of like finish out your senior year. And I never left the house to go to the Notre, to Notre Dame. Okay. And then a week later, Jerry Welsh got fired. Yo, and let me tell you something. Then Tim Welsh took up. Let me tell you something about karma, my brother. Yeah. They try to shun you. Yeah. And he lost his job. But then the son, who wasn't an advocate of mine, took over. The team went on a winning streak. Okay. Mm. They started winning because it was it was it was a problem with the system. Uh, they started winning. The players asked, "Could I come back on the team?" The advocate says, "No, we will not have Ricky back on the team." Right. So, I I had to now. Here's the tough part about this. I had to finish the team that I was that was guys that I was killing. I had to watch them get busy on campus. I had to miss senior night. I didn't have senior night with my family to come out. I missed that part, and. I, I kind of like got shunned from the program for a little while. Yeah. Any regrets about that decision? Nah, uh, I, I don't think I, I don't think uh, I don't have, I don't hold regrets, bro. I don't hold regrets at all. So I don't good. regret that, that. That make you go get old yeah. fast. And you I don't think that old. I think the decision kind of like shaped me. It kind of made me decide, hey, y'all, you stand on your morals, you stand on your word, you stand on, you know, you stand on that. So. Man, I, I I knew what it was. The players knew what it was. That they still my friends to the day. They they knew they knew what I was doing behind closed doors. I just didn't have an opportunity to to show show that all. Came. That's that's an interesting. Like, but some of it I contributed to. My junior year helped contribute to some. But of that. you but you realize that. But yeah. yet, but yet and still, I mean, you standing on your morals, I think, is a testament to you know that in the future, not too far distant in the future after that, maybe ten years or so, you did kind of the same thing with with the fun sport program. Yeah. Right? You yeah. Were like, grades. Nah, you can't play. Sorry. And, and it's it's huge, and and then those are like pivotal decisions because what you were doing at Iona, being a part of a college D one college basketball team, like a lot of people, that's like their dream, you yeah, know, to get right. there. You basically were like, yo, my family is way more important, and and I need, and my sanity at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like that's humongous. And the Always fact, good. and I'm actually, I thought you were gonna come and be like. They said they were going to keep my scholarship, but they, they reneged. Like, I was nah. expecting that to happen. No, I graduated. I walked the aisle. Uh, so that was that was big for me, for my family. It's, I was actually one of the first, well, yeah, the first in my family, my mom and dad, to kind of like graduate college. Um, so that, uh, you know, I, I, I still love Iona to the day for allowing me to kind of like finish that part and finish that part out, man. Um, I was never kind of like ambitious about playing overseas or playing pro ball. I had everything in perspective, but that degree set me up. My question is, um, you know, going back to experience in Iona, um, do you try to to educate your youth uh, when it comes to what the politics of college ball could be for them based on your experience? Because I know, like, you know, for a person like myself, I never played college ball. My brother never played college ball. We may have, like, he had tons of friends that played college ball, et cetera. But, you know, we didn't go through that. And yourself, you did. I try to, every opportunity that I try to, like, pull a youth to try to talk to him, I try to, man. Um, I wasn't one that was widely recruited. Like I tell you, I, I went to junior college and created yeah, my own opportunities, sure, man. Sure. So I, I try to share that with him. Um, I don't think everybody should make the decision that I made because I don't know yeah. if, it, if it ends up the same. Yeah. Uh, but, man, you got to stand for something. You fall for anything, man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, you got you got to stand for something. So I, I stood, I believe that what was happening to me at the time was injustice. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't agree with it, and I just couldn't continue in it. I just couldn't, like, continue to leave my family to go play basketball. Even though know, I was passionate about it, I spent years or so to get there knowing that that I was going to be unhappy. Like, this became an unhappy So This came, I just couldn't do it. Just couldn't yeah. do it. So, I wasn't happy about the game anymore. So, this is what I'm tripping on right now. Yeah. Okay. 
when you were on that radio show, okay, I'm so I'm so mad. I'm yeah, mad. I'm mad for you, bro. Like, yeah, I, could, I, swear, I, could. I wish I could have gone back in the time and spoke for you. I asked him, yeah, 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 I'm hearing yeah. you, coach. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, man. You don't give me a microphone. Bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you know, my fire would have came out of my mouth and then that's microphone. easy. That's that, that's, that's the easy way. That's to go. that's easy. No, no, no. Man. And I don't mean okay. okay so this is the, this, I'm speaking from a 36 year old perspective. Today. Yeah. I, back then, of course. Who knows? I'm saying it from now, from myself now. I know how to speak, say my fire, right? Mm. Speak my flame with the mm. smoke out in a very respectful and professional. So I'm speaking from a 36 year yeah. I don't know 19. How old were you at the time? I was probably 19, 20. Yeah, you know, so 20, I can't 20, speak 20, for that. But 20. I'm just saying, I'm speaking from now. Yeah. Back then, I probably like, what you saying? I would have made it to the mic. Would have been. Yeah, but you know what? No but the thing about it, when you think about it, is you've watched basketball. You've watched some of your favorite players stand in front of the microphone and kind of have to talk in difficult times. Mm-hmm. There are examples that that you have, even though like if you pay, if, you know, you're watching the game. There's examples that I've seen players have to stand in front of the microphone and have to be very humble and kind of like you know think about the team first. Yeah. And that's what I think I thought about. I wasn't, and, and that's who I, that's who I am, man. Sometimes I think people get lost up in the fact of things that I achieved, like like or the confidence that I somehow come into a room with. And some people can mistake that for arrogance, and I want to talk to that right now. So I'm not an arrogant guy at all. I'm a confident guy. I don't think I don't get I'm a confident guy. When I come into a room, I know exactly what my value is. I know exactly what my worth is in the room, and I'm gonna be confident about that and how I deliver myself and how I handle myself in the room. I'm not arrogant at all to where I feel like I'm better than the next person mm-hmm. or whatever. Or I would put my team down or I would put myself above my team. So I'm I'm not I don't I'm not that way. I feel conscious of that way. Sometimes that could be uh, confused to some people because they confuse your confidence with arrogance, but I'm not arrogant at all. I definitely want to make sure if anybody listened to this that 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 is one that I'm definitely not very confident. I'm very much about my family. Uh, family is first. And you've seen just over the course of everything that I've told you about from the beginning, me creating this thing, it's always been around. I've kept my family first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, now that stays with me to today. I got my daughters are now 28. Wow. She's, going, she's going to be 28 in wow. January. Okay. The other one's 25. One's, wow. you know, my oldest daughter is an engineer. She's working at Goldman Sachs now. My Ooh. youngest daughter's in law school. Mm. So just think of where I came from, that guy that was, you know, made the decision for his kids, two-year, you know, kids in college, you know what I mean, you know, having to use welfare to kind of get by in the mm-hmm. beginning, to kind of mm-hmm. get through those, taking your, taking your scholarship money to kind of put towards the rent and to take care of kids, traveling from Brooklyn all the way to New Rochelle. That's my story, baby. That, that's my, I'm from Brownsville Projects, man. I just figured it out along the way. And while I was doing this, I had the, the opportunity to kind of work in Fortune 500 companies, working at Morgan Stanley. Working at Cushman and Wakefield, so I had a fiscal, I had a financial kind of like background to kind of go with the with the with the grassroots, the hood background, mm-hmm. and I just brought the I just kind of like fused the two together and kind of like say, all right, you know what? I'm a, I understand what business looks like. Right. I've sat in I've sat in a in a boardroom with the CEO of, of Morgan Stanley. I had right. I was lucky enough to sit in a boardroom with this guy. I listened to some of these guys talk about millions and millions of dollars. I don't have that type of money, but I watched it flow mm-hmm. around. I've been in Cushman and Wakefield and sat with the CEO of that company. I was lucky enough to sit with some, some, some real, some big folks. Anyway, so I've seen business and I've seen how it was done, kind of like not that. And I'm and I'm talking about small business, small budget that we're doing in the hood. 
Right. So how could we flip this and make this look a lot bigger? How could we make this look bigger? How could we make this look glossy to where it illuminates, it, yeah, it illuminates outside of the hood? This is not going to be a hood tournament. I'm from the hood. I'm not right. going to do a hood tournament. Right. And I think, and I'm always conscious of that. I'm not doing a hood tournament. Yeah. We we better than that. We're gonna elevate ourselves better than that. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna do something. We're gonna do something rich. Whether I got Nike, Under Armour, whatever, it's still gonna look rich. I have a term for people like you, and actually, I'm very similar in a lot of respects. I had the opportunity to work in the corporate environment and sat with a lot of the big wigs at these companies. A long time ago, I, I coined. I, I say I coined. I don't know somebody else might have. Uh, urban sophisticate. Okay, I never heard that one. So that's because you made it. You made it. That's what I'm saying. It's probably right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, promote it. Yeah, get promoted right now. But right, right now. <laughs> but that's but that's to me how that's how I synthesize what you just described, right? So you've got, you know, the, you grew up in an environment that is no is the hood, right? Yeah. Like that's that's where we came up too. So it's like you got that, and that's cool. And a lot of people, you know, they they make that to be like this amazing thing like oh i'm from the hood like whatever the hood is the hood at the end of the day Mm -hmm. right you learn some things and you hopefully you can progress from there but then you get the opportunity to get into these corporate environments and go through like what people from the hood don't necessarily get an opportunity to to get into and then you got like this fusion of an urban sophisticate which is kind of what i I look at it as right Mm -hmm. because you you can play in both of those worlds and do well Mm -hmm. and so i don't come across a lot of people that have had that opportunity so it's always good to like you know have those perspectives because equally to me that's steel sharpening steel mm-hmm. like yeah. the urban background is just as important to me as the corporate background mm-hmm. and and it's just it's a beautiful fusion because mm-hmm. in, in boardrooms I would be in front of a lot of well-to-do folks big high-powered decision makers and th- the Bronx would come out of me and not like on some like ghetto hood stuff more like the this knowing how to read a room right, right? how to read a room like knowing because, again, you're in the hood, you got to watch your back. And you got to be able to read people in order to survive. Absolutely. And so I know how to address a room, not to big myself up, but, like, I learned that through the hood. But equally, I learned a whole bunch of shit from the corporate environment that helps me even further when I am in the hood. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really interesting dichotomy that I don't know. I, I learning don't know. how to read, the, at the point, it's learning how to read the room becomes what, like I said, it had this dark side. Yeah. And that dark yeah. side, you had to read stuff and you got to read and you got to make decisions really quickly. Right. So that was one of the things that I think I'm always doing. And I think sometimes to a fault because mm-hmm. I'm always reading and scanning. I'm you always almost scanning. Almost over and a little and, bit. Oh, yeah. It. I think I may be too over and but I'm always doing that. I'm always watching and kind of like evaluating. I could be looking down, but I'm looking up. Yeah. So it's like, I, I, I'm always like that. Sometimes, like I say, it's to a fault because sometimes I think that hopefully I didn't give somebody an opportunity that probably deserved it. Mm-hmm. But I think I could be over and over. I, I, think, you, I think that's a you better off defaulting to that mm-hmm. than the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, you might miss a couple things here and there or, or you know, opportunities for folks. But, like, generally speaking, like, you you way in the black as yeah. opposed to the red. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, I just want to say this to you. You came in and you said, I don't want to come off as arrogant. Brother, you the antithesis. <laughs> Is that the word? Antithesis. <laughs> you didn't. This is. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't. Whatever that means. About arrogant, man. Nah, you, man. I don't want we had to. We had to snatch the the modesty out. We had to like, listen. Put your modesty over here. Along uh, with your coat. All right. Don't start talking. Dope, 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 we we dope. had to hang. So uh, don't worry about being arrogant, bro. Nah, if I'm, you is, we missed it. Trust right, me. I, I, I didn't wanna, come I, off on this podcast. I don't want to be that at so, all. So we spent a lot of time talking about the middle school aspect of fun sports. Yeah. Do you still do like the older cats? The, you know, I'm trying to for the 20th year and I'm trying to bring it back. So like. 
my pro joint we used to have is called Fireball, is where I kind of like to get it, got started. Right. We used to have like all the NBA guys that used to come out and play in that. So I used to had this I had this nice space, this unique space in the city. I went from May or April, May to June. Is it Dumbo? No, we was right here at Baruch College. Oh, we was okay. at Baruch College. I had from May to June. So before all the summer tournaments got there, the Kenny Stevens and all, they all would come down, and they were kind of like I would be like the tip off to the summer. Got it. So at the end of the NBA season, that ended in April, those guys would take like a few weeks vacation, whatever, and then in May, they'd be lacing it up with me to kind of like get in shape. So Nate Robinson was coming down, wow. Wilson Chandler was coming down. And all these guys was coming down in the beginning, it was like a pro thing. Then my high school stuff was starting to build up too. Okay. So I got, well, I remember it was my guy, well, what was his name, but he played at Villanova from the Bronx. He was killing. Alan Ray? No, not Alan Ray. Uh, I, we, That's you know, a good guess. Well, but he, he's killing in my high school okay. joint. And I was like, hold on, I gotta be, I gotta find a way to get him mixed with the pro guys. So that way, so what I did is in my pro thing, I created a pivot, which is new. Yeah, everybody has to have a high school stud on their team. If you're gonna play in my tournament, you gotta have a high school stud on your it. team. So and it was a new, it was a unique pivot. Cause high school now is like, yo, why are you doing this? Because I need the high school guys to understand what it's like to be a professional. Cause we gotta show these cats how to move, how to move. So now I got the Kimball Walkers that's playing in my tournament. I got all these guys that's playing, and you gotta have a high school stud that's on your roster. They gotta be playing. So now all the top high school guys was playing with the pro guys. So Kimball Walker and Smush Parker are in the backcourt, and they're playing. This is what Smush is in the league. He's at his top this game now. And I remember Kimba telling me before he left the UConn how much he really valued yo, that respect. That I mean, when, incredible. This, this is true stories. I mean, Kimba could. Man, he said, "Yo, he really." He said, "Yo, I need an extra pair of shorts." He said, "He said that's how the conversation started." Yo, yo, Rick, I need an extra pair of shorts. And so I'm leaving to go to UConn. I said, "You want a pair of shorts?" I said, "Bet you got." I said, "Come over here, let's talk for a minute." I said, "What you thought about?" It? And we was talking. He's like, "Yo, man, I just really kind of like really values." Now he's an All American at the time. Yeah. But he was like, "Yeah, he really valued the fact that he was able to play with pro guys. He made every game. He played with my guy Amas, Amas from uptown. I really I shout you out, Amas. Your younger son is in my math in my fitness class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he played with Amas from uptown, and he was he was working with the pro guys, and he had they had a lot of pro guys on that team. Yeah. He was able to kind of like develop himself. Uh, a couple of other guys that That's I know so that was dope. in there. Is that still happening? Do you no. Still do? So what happened Damn, was... Damn, Rick! Yeah, this is, Yo, this is all the story. Shout stories. out Kemba Walker. We need this, you on the show. Yeah, this is all good story. So this was like in 2011. Mm-hmm. My fireball thing ended here at Baruch College. So we had X-Men, who was one of the top teams over there. They had uh, Gary Forbes was playing on their team. Ah, yeah. They was playing against Bingo All-Stars. And Bingo had everybody. Bingo was the city's greatest. So I had the two best teams that I recruited for my tournament to meet in a championship game. Mm-hmm. It was crowded. I bigged it up. Brooklyn versus Uptown. Uh, we're going to meet in the mid in Midtown. I did all my little promo and all that yeah. to get the crowd there. The crowd is there. My friends from Brooklyn is over there making noise and everything is good. So Bingo is leading the game and Gary Forbes goes into his bag. Man, he had like 45 points. It was Smush Parker's in the backcourt with Gary Forbes. They're playing against Kenny Satterfield. Right? Yo, it's, 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 it's a great game that got televised by one. He got the, all the footage. But it was such a great win in the overtime. Wow. It goes into overtime. Is it and, on YouTube? Nah, this guy has the footage and, and I got to get the game. Yeah, but it. it was just a, it was a great, great game. It was like the perfect ending to what we created, to how we started. In that game. But what happened, it, it, the only thing that was imperfect at the end 
is that one guy chased a ref down there and we had a police oh, okay. issue oh, and the police issue created a problem for us kind of coming back into the thing and, and exactly. oh you know what if we got these police issues then they got to pay this insurance that, and mm. it's like okay you can't sustain yourself yeah. again you can't sustain yourself so that ended fireball in 2011 oh okay so that, yeah. that ended that that, that episode that ended, that ended that that ended the match so you got the high school players that's out there with them I can't remember which ones was in that game but all those things was happening That all that stuff was happening I mean these are just like things that I say make fun sport unique is that we did some unique stuff that made us different yeah. you know what I mean we, we didn't do the traditional rap we kind of always kind of mixed it up, and I was challenge guys around me. Let's mix it up. Let's be different. Let's always be different. Yeah, break the norm. Let's always be unique. Yo, be I love I love that concept of including high school with the pros. Is anybody yeah. doing that? I don't, I I don't like think it. anybody has it as a rule, but it was a rule in my tournament. It was a rule. You had to have you a high see, school. You see, you see it peppered in like you know you had to have tournament or whatever. You, you see a little bit. I love then we went we went yeah. further where we had guys brand if whatever your brand is, you put your logo on the front of the uniforms. So everybody had they you know they had their own logo in the front of the uniform. So when Nate you, Robinson had his own team, I remember. When you oh I see when you I thought you meant like if they had a shoe deal with Nike for instance. They nah, would, they can't do that. But like so whatever their brand was, so Bingo All Stars had Bingo across gotcha. this uniform. X Men had they had their own brand. You had to get your logo and you had to brand yourself, and that's how we kind of ended Fireball, man. That was one of that was that was I think one of the top you know I would say one of the top pro leagues that was in the city. It was us and it was Pro City at the time. Okay, and we were kind of like. We was in the same space. We was occupying the same space, and we were kind of like bringing the pros out. Because 55th, who always brought the pros out, was kind of like going through. They was in the summertime. You know what's so funny? Earlier in this in this uh, interview, I wanted to ask you how because you told you spoke about dealing with pros and the older folks, and then you went into middle school. What was that transition like? Was this kind of like the, the, the your pivotal moment to like? I was doing both, man. Like I told you, like in 20 years, I was doing 40 years of work. So I'm running my pro stuff. I'm running the I'm running the high school stuff right before the pro stuff. I'm running the middle school stuff. I got my summer stuff that's happening at Tillery Park. And Tillery Park has got you know I had a lot of things that was going on. Then I got these little jump, these little college programs that's happening for like guys who are not pro, but they neighbor community guys. That's happening fall, winter, spring, uh, and sometimes it's happening in the morning and it's happening at night. So all these things that we trying. I got a corporate league that we were doing. So uh, the body of work through Fun Sport. Man, I just don't know too many pro. And I, I, I pay homage to everybody. I just don't know how many people have done as much work. Not trying to say that we are operated at the highest level. I, I, you know, I know programs. You know, I can't compete with with the Rucker. That's no. that's global. Can't compete with with Kenny Stevens and what he's created. The indictment. That's that's global as well. But just in terms of in New York City for New York City basketball, we belong in the conversation because mm -hmm. we've done a lot and touched a lot of people around all five boroughs over the years. Whether it be the common guy, the corporate guy, the pro guy, the middle school guy. The high school guy, the average Joe guy, we've touched all. We've touched all that. So there's so many stories that we have in all these pockets of the city that we can say, yeah, I remember my moment when I was in fun sport. Mm. I remember this time when I was in fun sport. You can see, you can have a lot of those conversations in barbershops around all the boroughs, not just Brooklyn. I have two questions real quick. Uh, I have two questions and a comment. First, I want to say because. It's, it take with great pride. I say what I say. I love to see the racks, the richest store, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like you know, we came from the dirt. You know, like my brother was talking about, we come from the hood, and I wear we wear it with a badge of honor. You know, what I'm saying I'm proud that my brother comes into the corporations and doesn't neglect that 
and mm. I want to say this comment, this is battle rapper. Shout out to Charlie Clips. He said, um, um, he went to BET, right? He was a battle rapper for this whole time, and his line was, I went from EBT to BET. Right, okay, I love that. Love and that. I love the line because, you know, you were talking about how, you know, you was yeah, in yeah. welfare went, and all yeah. that. You know, we came from welfare as well, you know, yep. shit. And, and to be honest, like, but I love that you don't neglect that history because it's so important for our youth, especially the youth in the, in the city, to see, like, yo, we still real out here. Like, yo, yeah, see, you didn't, see you didn't just touch. go corporate and, and, and you yeah. know, we don't know you. You know what yeah. I mean? You, you shout Brownsville. It's important for me to see a person of your standard to shout that out because I think that touches... That relates. I mean, you would know more because I mean, I dealt with you for sure, but not necessarily as a basketball coach, although I did coaching. But the education field. My point to you is, is so I think they need to feel like you can touch, like I can touch this teacher. I can relate to mm -hmm. him. Like, yo, he's he's been where I've been. He understands me. He gets it. Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't just go and become Hollywood and win, you know, chunky right. ass gold chains or a limo or whatever the hell that. Is. The fact, the fact that they have people that that look like us, yeah. mm -hmm. that they could touch. And you've kind of have some, you have reached some things that they they wish to attain, and you can share those stories. And sometimes it's just sharing the story. Like yeah. that's what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. We're like we we talking and we sharing a story, and somebody might listen to this and hear a part of it that impacts them, that inspires them. Yes. That says, yo, you know what, Rick? I want to talk to you some more oh, about yes. that. Yo, I'm having a struggle with my college coach, yes. and I've been thinking about you. Yeah. So that's 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 what that's what we do this stuff for. Kind of like you know what I mean? Because who knows? Who might listen Who to this? Touch Not tomorrow. Maybe next year. Maybe mm -hmm. five years from now. Maybe twenty years. You know what I'm saying? Well, no. Maybe. Right. Maybe you know what I'm saying. Dom, you know, dribbling dimes it becomes this fortune five. It's like, oh, let's go back to this. Oh, now this interview now becomes yeah. pivotal and turns. So I understand that. I, I, I know. I felt like over the twenty years, I, you know, there's some responsibility that comes with what we do, mm -hmm. and I think I've always been careful to kind of handle that responsibility with. If my daughter's seen it, it's cool. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I've always been careful about what I put out on social media. I'm not reckless. I'm not put. Even though I see stuff, yes. between me and y'all, records, we can chop it up off something right, funny. Right. We, you know what I mean? Right. But I'm not going to put certain things in the air because I know kids is watching me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I was, I worked in these, like I said, these corporate environments as a financial analyst, but the job that I hold now, I feel most dear about is I'm a teacher. I'm mm -hmm. a teacher with middle school kids, and I love that role in terms of what I'm doing. And I'm able to kind of work in the communities of people that look like me. And in the small little thing that I offer, I feel like I help make a difference. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? The small little things. I'm, I'm, I'm not on the big stage, but the little 5, 10, 15, 20 people that I can reach in a daily, I feel like I help make a difference That's to what I do. So I, I'm, I'm happy with what I do. Um, I'm happy to, to, to connect with guys like yourself who's passionate about it, connect with a guy like you. That's really in the movement. Yes. That's doing some good stuff, and man, that's that's me, bro. That's me, man. I'm about my kids. I'm about I'm about my community, and I'm about trying to you know just be positive, man. Yo, Rick, you a young looking dude, bro. I don't. You don't need to tell us how old you are. I, 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 I have a gauge. Forty six. You on track to probably a great 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 grandfather if you play your cards right. Cause you mm -hmm. got you got kids approaching thirty. Yeah. One is definitely. Yeah, she's, she, actually, she's about to have a baby any day now. Oh. And you ain't even got no gray hair. 
Now nah, this light is sprinkled in there somewhere. It's, it's in light. Me. It's you got it. It's you got it. I try to break it down. Yo, that's. I mean, I know that's. Hey, I got. Yeah, I ain't. I'm. I'm so dope about my daughters. They dope, daughters. They. They dope. Shout out to them. Shout out, Shani and Andrew. They dope, man. I mean, coming from you know, like I tell you, the struggle and to kind of end up with with those two. A lawyer and an engineer. Man. Man, that's your, you, man. You, you listen. Everybody in my family you graduated. Wear, you, you better wear your face with pride when uh, looking in the mirror. So yeah. when you talk about your accomplishments and what you most, that, that's the accomplishment. That's, that's it right there. That, that's it right there. So it's like, yo, Ricky, why you ain't doing so much? I'm good kind of right now. The grind, I grind it. I, they, they watched me do the hustle. They watched me be like this entrepreneur guy, even though I was too small, but they watched me kind of do for self. Mm-hmm. And they've seen that and they've kind of like put, took that on with them and they've gone on to do great things. Graduate, both of them graduate. You know, if you got daughters, you can't have them on a pole. Right. Yo, I got two girls in a pole. You know what I'm saying? I'm worried about that shit all the time. Yeah, they ain't gonna be no pole, bro. No, 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 I'll beat the, I'll beat them with a pole. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the fact that they're doing, for, and they both challenge each other. That's all great, man. So I'm, I'm happy from, I'm, I'm successful in a different way. It's how you measure success. Yo, that's, I mean, that's big to that's me. Success, yeah. Yo, it's the way. path that you, your journey. I mean, from the onset, like. You getting in, you going to college, mm-hmm. having children. Mm-hmm. You had two before you graduated college. Two before I graduated college. Right. So you had two in the thick of college, yeah. and you were an athlete. Yes. And I was married. And you were married. On the on the like, yo, too. What the shorty saying? What up? Right. And so <laughs> it's real easy for you to just throw all that away. And he barely got any gray hairs to show for any of this. And shit. I and I should have some more. You should, should have. have. I should you have. Should. I'm actually I'm actually upset right now. You should be should, Santa Claus out. <laughs> yo. No, I'm really so look, that's big. We, I, I so again, um, I commend you. Like your story has been really eye-opening in a lot of ways, and uh, what you've been doing. And I kind of did some fuzzy math, like from the research that I did on you. You've touched somewhere in the vicinity of eight thousand or so kids through your program in roughly a twenty-year span. That's crazy. Uh, you know what? And I, I'm, I'm I, even thinking about the youth, the pros, right? We're talking yeah, about the, the youth. high school, <laughs> middle school kids. So, like that's a that's a humongous impact. Doing, Even like I said, like again, me, I wasn't a standout in any regard, right? Mm-hmm. I value those coaches to this day, mm-hmm. and I was like the last dude on the bench. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So my experience could have easily just been like, ah, screw basketball, I hate it, because I never really, I saw the court every now and again, and it was just chucking something up, hoping to drop, right? Mm-hmm. But all of that, all the stuff it taught me, I was able to take that knowledge and put it into something else, and still hold dear to, to me, to who I am. So, like, I can only, like, again, you've got a lot of great names that have come through your program, but yep. the lesser-known folks, I'm sure, took something away from, from the program that has made them better in some capacity. I, w- I would hope so, and I would love to get those testimonies uh, coming as we get into this 20th year to figure out with some folks who didn't make it basketball, who got who got a college degree, who felt like, yeah, yeah. you know what, you making me show my report card was pivot, mm. was a pivot. You making me value that. Over just over the layups, you kind of like holding everyone accountable, even the star player. You you know by forfeiting that game, you hold you you made sure that you was consistent in in your views and the things that you held was important. Right. Um, I hope that those things that come out. Well, I would like to say on behalf of my brother and I here on Dribbling Guys, we would like to also break those testimonials right here on this show <laughs> in the future. So if they reach out to you, 
we would love to hear about it too because okay. that's what we're about. We're about trying to give back to the youth and let them see that their success has a lot of different forms and you know it, it could be anywhere. You could be in Russia or you could be right here being a lawyer like your daughter. Yes, but yes, shit yes. Ain't, it ain't no damn shit. You know what no I'm doubt, saying? No doubt. I mean, to, to your point, like <laughs> if if there are people that are listening that do have things to share, um, dribblingdimes at gmail.com. So that's D R I B B L E N. D-I-M-E-S at gmail.com is one place. But where can they reach you? Uh, Fun Sport Basketball on Instagram. Uh, we're active on there. You can engage with us. I, I know we got this live feed going uh, there. Um, FunSportInc.com is our website. Uh, so we got some stuff doing there. And I think, like, next year, starting 2019, we really want to kind of get back at it. I think since the summertime, we've been kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we usually have some things, programs going this time, but we've been I've been kind of quiet and intentionally quiet just in terms of getting get things next prepared. Year. Yeah. Um, the one thing as we close this thing, because I know i got to transition to something else, but I have started another nonprofit organization that we didn't talk about oh, called man. Beyond Let's the Game. Okay. So Beyond the Game was the program. I wanted I felt like I was doing a lot of tournaments and stuff and I was touching I was touching people but not in a way programmatically that I wanted to kind of like do the experience. I created this prop this program called Beyond the Game. I created it in, in maybe four years ago, but I think in, in, in next year we're gonna start putting more programs on the ground. But Beyond the Game is about just in a short way, it's about, okay, so this is your chosen sport. And most, we find that kids are more passionate in things like their sports. If I'm a sports person, I'm passionate. I feel like there's new skills that I've learned playing basketball than I did anything else. Yeah. I want you, I want folks to be able to have something that sets people up for when the ball stops bouncing, when you're not successful. If you put all your energy into basketball or football or baseball, and what happens if you're not successful? Mm-hmm. But you're so passionate about it and you put everything into this thing. How can you stay alongside the game? How could you stay? How can you stay inside? How can you stay connected? How can you develop a career within the things? Because if you're passionate about that, you're going to be successful at it. That's true. So beyond the game is the thing where I've kind of like created an apprenticeship program because I had to show young people that there are so many careers alongside your chosen sport. When you walk into the Barclays Center, you walk into the garden, there are so many people that are working and have careers alongside these professional athletes that you forget about. There's the, and I introduced them to, to my program. There's the, the, the scout, there's the, the photographer, there's the videographer, there's the statistician, there's the, the journalist, there's the agent, there's the referee mm-hmm. uh, who's actually getting paid a handsome amount of money yes. at the NBA level. Yes. So there's all these different Skills and there's all these different careers that you can start to now because they are around you right now while you're playing in high school and middle school. These people are in the gym watching you. Mm. These people are around you right now. Like right. the people on the website that you that's giving you the exposure, their their website is up there because they're getting some money from that. Right. Mm. How about if you learn how to increase your writing skills and kind of market? So what I've been trying to do with Beyond the Game is create a network for young people of people that are around mm. them and surrounded by them. To say when the ball stops bouncing, you have a network because people who look like us often don't win because we don't have a network. That's right. We don't have the access for somebody to say, yo, I got you from here. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to connect you with that. You're going to sit down. With so build that network up young. And this is what Beyond the Game is about. That's one part of it. And it's just other things that we're going to do programmatically to kind of help kids around the game. But it's all centered around what I wanted to do is build a network up for young people along their chosen sport. So that's what Beyond the Game is about. How do you kind of like say when the ball stops bouncing, 
what do I want to do next? How do you take that passion, which is the hardest thing when you try to work somewhere, is to be passionate about just a regular gig. So you may not be passionate about working at Morgan Stanley, sitting in that boardroom. You might be doing that just for the check. That's right. But what have you thought about spending your time honing your referee skills, uh, knowing that you could get some money from this, knowing that, you know, that referees are paid $850,000 a game at the NBA, uh, $850,000 a year at the NBA level. Did you know that? I had to, I, I got stuff from, you see on website, I've gotten stuff that we've documented where I had NBA refs come and sit down with kids. And these are wow. not like the elite kids. This is just like regular kids. Yeah. This is not, I'm not trying to say, this is just kids who love to play sports. Right. This is the kid at the end of the bench that's that got the 98 GPA, and he's on the bench. He may not get no run. He's traveling with the team, but he's going to turn around and be the financial guy for the league. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. So this is this is the education that we're trying to like force on the young people. It's like, yo, you got to keep your grades right because you could do a pivot. You might not be getting in the game, but you're going to control the game. Right. You, know I mean? you could control the game from a different angle. Yep. Can I just say, I mean, this is this is it's related, but it's not, and it speaks a little bit about my brother who was on the bench, and he said he. So much wisdom was imparted to him. I want to touch on the coach that I remember when I was growing up. Scott Brooks for New York Knicks point guard. Do you remember Scott Brooks, coach? I remember. I used to, is the same Scott Brooks as coach of the DC? Uh, yeah, Wizards now? Wizards. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. So he was a third string point guard. And I look at what you're saying because he barely played, if at all. Like, barely played. He played for the Rockets and once. And it's like, this man is a head coach. Getting paid. Man, and he a respected head coach. And a too. respected one. A damn good one for many, many years. Mind you, though, he's in the back of the bench. You right. know what I mean? Leftovers. Yeah. So I think what you speak of, and I know it's not the same thing because you're touching a lot of different avenues from refereeing to a lot of different. But I didn't get this. But coaching could be one. But coaching can coaching, be one of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so coach, so you, you can be the coach. Like, it, what I'm saying is that whatever your passion is, whatever the sport, that's your chosen sport, that's your passion, chase it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See where it can lead you. Mm-hmm. But if you don't make it, what's next? Like, what what happens next? That can't be the end. That can't. What's the next? You can still work alongside. You can still do some things. You can still be a part of the of of the big thing. You could be a part of it, whether it be college, collegiate, NBA. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a lot of levels. It's, it's a lot of levels. You could be the athletic director. You know what I mean? If you're the guy that's putting everybody together and you're the one that's controlling the, the, the money when we go to lunch and you're the person that's controlling and making sure the tournament fees are paid for, be the athletic director. Yeah. Maybe you got skills that you could be the athletic director. That's big. I think Mr. Ricky Rivers being on the show is a match made in heaven. Oh man, I'm that's serious. Big. No, yeah. because if you, you know, oh, you've been, no. we're going we're gonna to take that sound like we're going to put that. We that. advocate for this. This is what we want. You know, we yeah. want that. I mean, this is this is all beyond the game, to be frank. Yes, yeah, this is exactly what this is. Yeah. This is right. Okay, so it. I got to get y'all to be on the board or something like that. Oh, well, listen, we, we, we open for conversation. <laughs> okay. My cell phone number, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> we got that. Hey, Yo, we, but, have, we have to start wrapping this up because yeah. I get some. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Mr. Rivers, anything else you want to leave us with before you head nah, out? Nah, man. I, I think the only thing to end is I appreciate you guys for, you. for inviting me and to kind of give me the opportunity to talk and to kind of like share some stuff. And hopefully these folks in my live feed, whoever's seeing this, could say, oh, dad, you know what? I, I learned. Is it still going? It's, it's low battery. Yes, it is going. Yeah, All right. Good. So, hopefully that's somebody who watched this. If they peeked at it at one point, feel like, hey, you know what? Uh, Ricky just shared a new perspective about something that I didn't even know. Uh Hey, man, I, 20 years, man. I, I'm, I'm happy about it. I'm ready to take this next trip in 2019 to kind of like to restart the engine and re-energize myself for what we're going to do in 2019. Um, 
I think it's been a great journey along the way, meeting a lot of people, shaking a lot of hands, and, and being in different communities from Bermuda. We've done events in Dallas. We've kind of like put our flag in Atlanta and in, in D.C. We didn't do any events in those cities, but we've kind of like put some impressions in those towns about fun sport basketball. Mm -hmm. So we took I took this thing that was just a community thing, a weekend thing in, in the neighborhoods of Sunset Park, man, and kind of 20 years, you know, Put it in Bermuda, took it down the East Coast, and kind of like helped and seen a lot of kids, touched a lot of kids along the way. Uh, I've just you know did a radio show, so we got a radio show that we that we've done on this thing. Did a celebrity league that I don't think we've talked about the celebrity event where I brought like Fat Joe, Jada Kiss, and we missed Ja Rule to mm. kind of do the whole thing back together for That's the tip off. The New tipped York off, joint. We tipped off NBA wow. All Star Weekend the last time it was here with that event. So there's a lot of things that when we go back, when I look at damn that you know. The, the amount of things that fun sport basketball has done in myself, man, it's, it's been more than just middle school stuff. Yo, it's, it's so funny. He got a radio show, right? When I was just hitting on radio show back then when you was 19. It was, you know, my thing is, if I ever go to radio, I'm going to talk the shit that you wasn't talking. <laughs> I'm going to go over there and talk the shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to show you what I would have said at 19. Hey, you know, I, Somebody got to talk the shit. shit. Uh, I, I wish I had the opportunity to probably talk in front of Jerry Wells today and we could kind of go back and talk about you know, what happened that year. You know thing. what? I would, we, yeah, we might have listen, to make that happen. This has to be fire. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, but, Hard to reach yeah, I mean, it's just it's, it's, with some mature and adult it's conversations. Yeah, yeah, good. 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 I, I want to know. Yeah, but I got to shout out Jared, Jared Grasso, who's at Iona and Clues. They, you know, over the past couple of years, they've been they pulled me back into the Iona family and kind of made me oh, feel back okay. involved. They actually Jared Grasso, that's, that's my really guy. Cool. He actually gave shout me my he gave me my jersey that I didn't get at senior night. That's so he gave, cool, he gave me my man. jersey shout back. Shout out Iona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's big. So they have kind of like. I'm not gonna talk shit. Yeah, they made me a part of 75 years. Of basketball, so they kind of like put, made me big. feel back a part of what was going That's on. Uh, shout out my other alumni, Rasmus Hall, E Hall, man. I, they, they retired my jersey at, oh, uh, there nice. too. So, uh, I've been, man, I've been on this ride with this basketball stuff. It's been a good ride, man. I've, I've, I've enjoyed a lot of things. It's, you know, sometimes it's been a little roller coaster, but I've had a lot of great moments. You know what? You're making me take back what I said about talking shit because now <laughs> you took the high road and yeah. they welcomed you back. Man. If you took my road, it yeah, would probably, probably would have burned your yeah. jersey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, but I ain't going to lie. I was disappointed I didn't have seen it. I was disappointed I didn't have seen it. Man, I can't man, Listen, you stood on your morals. We're we here. We applaud you for that. Yep. We, we need more men like you in the world. And we're just happy that you shared our space with each other and be able to get your story out there. So, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribbling Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D-R-I-B-B-L-E-N-D-I-M-E-S. -B -B